Welcome back to episode number 188 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. This episode, we have on very special guest, Mohamed Saim, CEO and lead consultant at Shepherd Risk, based out of Karachi, Pakistan. And we're talking about the current status of dust explosion safety in Pakistan. Saim, welcome to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm really excited. As as the listeners to the pod, podcast would know, we really tried to capture combustible dust safety around the world. We do interviews with folks in, uh, well, in Pakistan today, in Israel, in Asia, in Africa, in North America, in Latin America. Try to understand where are we at and are there any lessons that we can translate from one region of the world to another? Something that maybe we've learned in Asia that we can bring over to North America, maybe something that we've learned up here in in Canada that we can bring across over to to Pakistan. So we really like to get these international guests on, talk about their experience. Siam has more than twenty years experience in oil and gas and energy sectors. Um, he specializes in qualitative and quantitative risk assessment, consequent modeling, sill assessments, verification studies, fire protection design, emergency response planning. Has extensive background in many forms of hazard analysis including Bowtie, Hazop, um, Hazid, Lopa, and many others, both inside of industries handling combustible gases, combustible liquids, but also combustible dust. This episode specifically came on the back of a dust safety professional's ticket from a coal power plant in Pakistan. The health and safety manager there had reached out and asked if we knew of anyone that had any experience doing audits and assessments um, and training at facilities that are handling combustible dust. and we weren't really able to find someone to place with them. We had a couple of contacts in different neighboring countries and the ticket really didn't, didn't end up going anywhere. But after a few weeks, I was actually introduced to Siam and found out that he was actually doing work with coal power plants in Pakistan. He was not far away from the facilities in Karachi in Pakistan. So it made sense to put that connection over. And through that discussion, then Siam started to explain where things are at in, in combustible safety in Pakistan and actually that they're really going through an, what use the word explosion, but a, a large growth in coal power plants being constructed over there. And maybe the combustible safety is lacking behind, or, you know, maybe there's some challenges that we can address here. So that's really the topic of this episode. We're going to talk through Siam's background and role of industry today, some of the recent activity and incidents related to coal power plants in Pakistan, challenges that he sees working with this industry, and any paths forward for improvement of combustible dust safety from this global perspective. So, Siam, I've done a lot of talking at this stage. Can you share some of your background related to process safety and industries handling combustible dust? Okay, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. My background is uh, basically I'm a chemical engineer. I graduated back in the year 2000. And uh, I started my career as a process engineer. And um, in 2007, I joined uh, BP onshore as a process and process safety engineer. Initially, I was just processing there, but uh, an accident just changed the course of my career, and that was the BP Texas City incident in uh, March, 23rd March, 2005. And when I joined BP in 2007, around a few weeks later, um, the uh, famous uh, Baker Panel Report was issued, and BP had to implement uh, those uh, very high-quality recommendations across the globe for their, all the assets. So I was uh, asked by BP to to become a process safety engineer and implement those recommendations for the Pakistan asset, uh, onshore assets. So I was trained, I was given experience, uh, I gained a lot of experience in process safety during that uh, five, six year period. And then another accident changed my course again. 
uh, that was the Mocondo incident, Gulf of Mexico um, uh, incident. And after that, um, BP had to generate a lot of funds to pay to the U.S. authorities for that uh, accident. And uh, they sold the Pakistan asset. And so I had to, uh, to choose between uh, working with the new owner, which were not much into the process safety. Uh, but um, I decided to move on and join Shell in Oman, PDO, and then worked there for a year as technical safety uh, authority, uh, uh, DA2. And uh, after a year, I chose to come back to Pakistan and work as an uh, independent consultant. And uh, I am doing this sort of as an independent consultant since uh, 2014. And in the last um, now eight years, I've been um, providing services in Pakistan and I've provided services Far East, Middle East, Central Asia, Europe, Africa, other than Canada and America, I've been to almost everywhere. And uh, in terms of dust, my first interaction with the uh, dust explosion was somewhat uh, not conventional. It was uh, with the uh, milk powder dry milk powder, there was an internal explosion in a, in a silo. And that was my first interaction with uh, the dust explosion. But at that time, I didn't have much of uh, the knowledge or the understanding. So it was just a brief intro to the dust explosion. Then uh, in the course, various studies and this and that, um, I did another uh, very small coal power plant uh, audit. That was uh, being operated by uh, a, a company, a U.S. company, a German company. Here in Pakistan, they they are engaged in two. They have two types of dust uh, explosion hazards. One is their main process, which is uh, corn dust or the uh, the glucose starch, and the other they were operating a small uh, 50 megawatt um, coal power plant. So there, uh, I, I started uh, getting more and more involved with coal and other dust hazards. I was mentored by um, by a guy. Uh, he was uh, ex FM global expert, um, uh, uh, and he actually gave me a lot of knowledge uh, on on uh, dust uh, science and dust explosion and protection systems. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago. So he was my, my mentor on most of these um, audits and surveys and dust. And then uh, there was because of this, uh, meanwhile, this energy shortage in Pakistan, there was crisis. So the uh, country began diverting from the gas-fired uh, power plants to the coal-fired power plants. And there was a huge development of a coal uh, mine in the Thar area. And so the coal power plants started building up, some at the mine mouth, some in Karachi, one in central uh, Punjab. Uh, so we're, uh, they're, they're all like 650 megawatt or similar setups. Some are on imported Indonesian coal, but uh, others are on the local indigenous coal. So there, there, there was not much attention to the coal dust. Uh, I, I, I would say not uh, much awareness. It was new thing. They, 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 they were... We, we all were like uh, dealing these uh, new coal power plants as conventional uh, from the point of view, conventional process safety engineering, and that's it. But then um, uh, in September 2021, I had one site visit. Uh, there were issues there of housekeeping, EX compliance, and uh, I issued a report that the dust explosion is around the corner. 
And unfortunately, just a few months later, a major explosion happened there. So after that, there was a slight wake-up call. Uh, people uh, in the country who were there in various coal power plants, they got alerted, they are doing things. And uh, probably uh, out of that, one of the coal power plants, uh, DHC manager um, Chris mentioned, uh, they, they contacted this group and they, they, uh, they, 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 they are now alerted, looking for a preventive solution for, or, or maybe they are just wanting to know whether they are, they are in good shape or there are any fixing needed at their, their facility. So in Karachi, we are having uh, uh, three main uh, major coal power plants. Uh, some are still under construction, some are operating for three years. Yeah, thank you for the background there. And I, I'm going to summarize a little bit of it because there's, there's some really great context and experience being transferred there. And then it leads really well to, you know, what we're seeing today in this coal, this energy crisis, as you call it in Pakistan and moving from gas to coal. And it's, it's interesting. And maybe we'll come back to this once we get through, through some of this, but a very similar things happening in Germany just today, as we're, we're speaking the last few weeks where they have an energy crisis driven by the current global landscape, natural gas is, is going to be a challenge to come by. And, and I think one of the solutions that they're, they're talking about now is building a lot more coal power plants. So keep in mind, these, these lessons learned will expand to other countries. But I, I want to I go all the way back. I mean, I appreciate your, your summary of your background, chemical engineer, started in process engineering. It, it sounds like you, your career is really guided by re- real world incidents that were happening. Um, BP Texas City moved you from a process engineer to more on the safety side doing the implementation of the findings from things like the Baker panel report, then the Macondo incident and the impact that had on BP, the impact that had on your work. You transferred to another company working out of Amman for a bit um, and then coming back to Pakistan. And you kind of mentioned some of the, the earlier incidents, your earlier assessments you were involved in, uh, milk, milk powder facility, some small coal power plant audits, gluten, corn, and, and a, a, another coal power plant facility as some of the few. And I know you've been at this now for eight or nine years. And, and then we'll, I want to lay the groundwork on some of where things are at in Pakistan to begin. But then we'll kind of go into, okay, well, there was this, this incident that happened that we'll talk about in, in Tyre, which I think is a, a very large region of Pakistan. I don't have a more specific region that, and that's sort of driving this, okay, well, we, we are developing, creating all these coal power plants. Uh, what about combustible dust safety? So, that was some of your, your background. Before we get into the instance that happened and, and what that's kind of caused, can you, can you go through some of the current status of fire and explosion safety regulations? If someone were to come into Pakistan today and, and try to understand, you know, how dust explosion fits, is it even there in terms of awareness, in terms of the regulations? What kind of things would people be looking at to, to understand the, the explosion safety regulations there? All right. So, so in terms of regulations, this is a very weak area. So being a developed country, we do not have um, very detailed or elaborate regulations. The regulations are generic about uh, normal safety, nothing very specific to any of the industries in terms of process safety or technical safety. So similar for the coal power plant, there are no specific regulations in terms of um, the technical safety, process safety, or the death exposure. So that's, that's why um, it is all, all on the individual organizations, how they to stop it. But as a convention, as a practice in, in, in our country, almost all the organizations, they, they follow either um, the U.S. regulations, NFPA, 
uh, or the EU, uh, EU regulation. But mostly it's, it's all about um, the uh, NFPAs, APIs, and the practices. But the catch here is that we, we have uh, almost all the coal power plants which are being developed or are, which are being operated are all Chinese built and some are being uh, O&M by Chinese. So they follow the uh, Chinese standards, GB standards as they call it. So GB standards are more or less reflection of NFP. So they are, they are just like a duplicate of NFP and in some, some cases some are like different. But uh, in terms of uh, uh, any, any particular guideline by the country or by the companies, I have not, not seen any. Not even by the companies that they have specified any particular uh, attention on dust exposure, especially or on prospectivity. It's just that they 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 take the generic list of uh, API standards and FPA, and they say we need to design and build according to these uh, standards. Yeah, so it sounds like they're in terms of um, regulations wise that they're they don't really have them for the process safety or the technical safety side. It's really just a collection of best practices that it's up to that individual company to use. So correct, it could be U.S. NFPA, it could be EU regulations, IECEX, could be the Chinese regulations, or some combination of them. And I don't know if that combination presents a challenge for you coming in as the the auditor, or the assessor. Do you find is it just good that a company's following any of them, or do you find sometimes it's a challenge if they're following too many different sets of of internal standards? And yes, and that also leaves um, an open path to uh, avoid where you want to avoid because uh, sometimes you say because there are alternates I'm going to choose that standard or that practice uh, there are other practices so it, it's like this there they, 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 they are um, weaknesses in this area which le- lead to uh, issues in uh, not only in design and engineering but in O&M as well. Yeah, and we were talking before, and we don't get have to get into the details of the specific um, assessment involved, but we were talking before where you've gone on site, done your assessment, and, and a company has said, oh, well, well, don't worry, you know, we're not handling that material in this assessment. We're doing that through a different standard set, <laughs> and don't look over there. And that, I'm sure, leaves gaps in between where one assessor is coming in and doing the work and the company's doing internal or multiple assessors are coming in. Um, and those gaps might be where the, the incidents can arise from and those, those um, explosions start to happen. Exactly. So, so this, this is the reason that um, when you do not specify either standards or practices as mandatory in your contracts or in your engineering or operating practices, then people come up with um, uh, ways to shortcut or short circuit some of the expensive for, <laughs> to implement I- items in, in these NFPAs and APIs. And uh, so, so it, it's very difficult. Because, and as I said that uh, initially when um, we were building these plants, like 10 years ago, we started building. So there was lack of knowledge on uh, cold dust altogether in the country. So, so I mean, we didn't, we, we didn't thought that, okay, this is the critical most factor in uh, coal power plants uh, safety. We were focused on conventional issues. It makes a lot of sense. And it's really interesting to hear that development. I think, so the, these incidents that are happening now today and these increase in attention to coal dust is, is really, a, seems to be driven by the, the startup and construction of all these new power, these coal power plants. Um, you mentioned the energy crisis impact stand. Can you just explain a little bit in terms of why was there an energy crisis? You know, why is coal power plants the solution there? Because I think that's interesting to 
understand and, and even translate to other parts of the world. Like I said, Germany is just entering a energy crisis today. I just Googled Germany energy crisis to see if I could find some stuff on it. I just came with an article, Berlin has restarted its coal power plants, uh, reconsidering its future. So we have these coal power plants have kind of sat dormant and are being restarted. Uh, what was the driver of that, that increase in coal power plants in, in Pakistan? Going back to 1950s and 60s, so we had a long-term plan. And that was all about um, hydropower. And based on their estimates, we needed three major dams and then uh, smaller power plants. So uh, as per the plan up to 80s, we needed to build uh, the, these major dams and power, tidal power stations to meet the energy demands. But we, uh, we deviated from that plan. We built two major ones, and then we deferred the third one a third major uh, idle power project. And then we deferred some of the uh, run of the river power plants. So that resulted in um, a sudden energy crisis in 90s. So to meet that sudden energy uh, gap, the, uh, the country was forced to build these fast-track thermal power plants. So uh, a lot of uh, gas-fired thermal power plants mushroomed. And so the energy crisis was uh, resolved by early 2000s and again the these thermal power plants uh, they sucked a lot of gas the country didn't have um, a huge reservoir we were having smaller reservoirs so we started depleting those reservoirs and by the uh, 2010s or earlier we almost got uh, into compression zone or very low pressures in the gas network so that forced uh, resulted in forced outages of these thermal power plants, and again, very deep power crisis in in Pakistan, starting 2010s. So uh, four or five years again, and then uh, we were started thinking the country uh, started thinking on about uh, importing gas from Iran, from uh, Russia. That didn't materialize due to political issues and this and that. So they they diverted towards uh, the coal power plants. There was no other option but to go for coal power plant. And so we have uh, uh, developed a major coal reservoir within the country, but also we needed imported coal-based power plants because uh, the the uh, mine timeline was quite late, so we needed to solve the immediate crisis. So some of the coal power plants are built on imported coal. And in the meanwhile, we had this uh, these a few other thermal power plants built on LNG. So we uh, started importing LNG from uh, around the globe. And so we have now a mix of LNG-fired power plants and coal-fired power plants. Plus, we are now again um, building some of the pending uh, run-of-the-river power plants. But still, the third major dam is not, uh, not in books. It is still um, because of the very yeah, long-duration project, 10-plus years, and, and the costs and everything. So it is not going to happen soon. So we are we are we are always taking uh, firefighting measures in energy front. Is Pakistan also providing the coal? I, I think you kind of mentioned this, but I just want to point it out. It sounds like you have opened up new mines to mine the coal as well as importing coal in order to support these coal power plants. Is that correct? Yes. So we 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 had uh, this major coal reservoir being developed. We started developing this uh, five, six years ago. Uh, and while we were developing the, uh, the this mine, first coal power plant was started be, being started be built 
in parallel. So first one came uh, online before the development of mine, I think a year and during that interim period, uh, that power plant was running on imported coal. But then the indigenous coal started coming in. And now we have one already uh, working for, for almost three, four years. And uh, there are other coming up. Uh, another was, that was supposed to be commissioned in any of these months. And then there was another one which will be commissioned by end of this year or maybe early next year. And then we have other coal power plants on imported coal that are there in Karachi because Karachi is the port city, so imported coal is coming. And they are all situated uh, here in Karachi. And one coal power plant uh, is, again, it's on the imported coal, but that's in the interior, central Punjab. And the coal is transferred from the port to the plant by our trains, goods trains. Okay, thank you. I think that's really helpful to understand. It's the coal power plants, but it's also the mining, and and both can present challenges with combustible dust. Obviously, um, we've had a, a number of, of coal, large coal mines. But when I say a number, it's probably the largest. You know, um, fatality loss from combustible dust would be coal mining over the last hundred years. Just outside my hometown, we had twenty-two miners lose their life in nineteen ninety-two in a coal mine explosion that was almost exclusively fueled by coal dust. And in last week's podcast episode, I talked. It was on the five takeaways from last year's combustible dust incident report. And one of the takeaways I put in here was that coal mining and handling around the world is still a big challenge. Here in, in Canada, North America, we've had dwindling mining and dwindling use of coal power plants. But we had the largest incident last year that we recorded in Russia, actually, on November 25th, 2021. They had a, a coal mine explosion there that ignited coal dust in the ventilation shaft and it filled the entire mine with noxious gases with uh, unbreathable atmosphere and injured and, and fatally injured um, hundreds of, of workers. Um, and then I brought up this uh, power plant explosion that we talked about earlier and we'll talk a bit more about. And I, I put a note there and I don't know if these numbers are accurate, but I'll, I'll say them just because um, I, I found this article. Let's give you an idea of the scale. This scientific paper I found called What Drives Pakistan's Coal-Fired Power Plant Construction Boom? Understanding the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor's Energy Portfolio by Bondry and Gallagher. Uh, it, it said that Pakistan has gone from 600, 624 gigawatt hours of energy in 2016 to 15,000 in, in 2018. So over two years has increased its coal power plant production by 25 times. Again, I have fact-checked those numbers. It is in a scientific paper for whatever that, you know, whatever that means to you. But it's um, or, over an order of magnitude, more coal is being burned in Pakistan. And you can just see the growing pains where that would come from. And um, that's sort of what I want to turn my attention to now. So because of energy reasons, the country is now using a lot more coal plants, doing coal mining as well. Without a, a large history directly before it of, of using this material, when you go in and assess these sites, what kind of challenges are you running into in terms of combustible dust? Is there any level of awareness there? You sent me some excellent comments in an email at, at one point. Just what, what are you seeing when you go on these sites today? What kind of challenges are coming up? Okay, so as I said, uh, recognition of hazard is low. The dust um, hazard recognition is not that great because uh, it, it's more, uh, more um, considered as a, as a housekeeping issue than a safety issue. So uh, there are documented things that we need to have, uh, like uh, zoning and this and that. So that's convention thing that is done, and that's fine. But recognizing that this uh, this is a very very serious threat to the integrity of um, the uh, installation and the safety of the people is is low. 
after this incident that uh, suddenly um, people started realizing you know, that's, that's the major focus area rather than the conventional areas. So the, the, there is a buildup of recognition on, on the uh, hazard that the damage this, uh, this dust can cause to, to the company. So uh, in terms of expertise, we are, we are having issues. I've been in contact with some of the uh, senior managers of the power plants. They are looking for experts in um, uh, process safety in dust. We have, um, like by myself, I consider myself more process safety or technical safety in gas and oil or chemicals, but not in dust. So, so there, there, there is a very, very huge gap that people are trying to look here and there that we need to develop expertise in in dust HSC rather than conventional HSC. So yes, we need to to bridge that gap. And unless we have these uh, competency issues resolved, we, we may not solve the uh, other technical issues because uh, someone needs to be to be on top of the hazard and uh, someone needs to be expert in the, in the hazard uh, recognition and uh, solving these issues. Not just by, by saying, okay, just uh, go to NFPA or go to IEC or yeah, follow GB standards. That's not going to solve the issue. That, that's just compliance part. We are, we, are, we are not too good. Yeah, so I have a couple of things I pulled out there. Just the, the awareness level of the hazard is a challenge. I went back to look at the email. I think what you called it in the email, which I really liked, was a competency crisis to identify, assess, and manage coal dust explosion hazards. That just ties into not having the expertise and a gap in not having enough experience on site or even external folks like external people like yourself in the country to support its growth and in, in the use of coal dust. Some other things you, you we mentioned from our talking before is is ex equipment and that sort of losing integrity over time and then just failure of having a, a hazard assessment process and the management of that. Can you expand on those two aspects a little bit from your experience? Yeah, okay. So on EX, we had, um, again, uh, when we build a project, I mean, when we are in the design, engineering, and procurement phase, we go by book and, uh, okay, we may purchase a gold-plated equipment. That's fine. But we fail to, to recognize a few things. Okay, even if we buy the right equipment item, we need to uh, operate and maintain it for the next 10, 20, or 30 years. And are we, we having the right competencies? Are we having the right tools and techniques in our organization to, to run this equipment uh, in, uh, in a zero condition for 30 years? So there is a crisis in this uh, field. We, we do not have the competencies uh, at par with what is needed. So we are having conventional maintenance. And we believe that, okay, EX is, is, does not require any extra competency. It's just uh, any, any piece of equipment. And so we can just have have those equipment maintained and operated um, uh, with, with the integrity uh, restored, but that's not the case. So in some cases where I've been to, it's not uh, that, okay, you need an expert eye to see whether uh, the equipment which was yeah, purchased as EX, installed as EX, whether it is still an EX after four or five years, you do not need uh, an expert to tell you because you can just see from their condition, they are not in good condition. There are issues in their integrity, obvious issues, gaps in the seals. You have uh, lost um, uh, sealing, you have uh, lost plugs, uh, the, the bolts are not tight, you have uh, faulty wirings. These are just the obvious things. So, the finer things which the EX experts can tell, maybe uh, more detail. 
we have been engaged with another ex expert. He's been traveling to Pakistan. He's Canadian, uh, and he is is trying to to create a lot of awareness here. He's um, meeting various uh, companies, including one of the uh, under construction uh, coal power plants, and uh, we've been trying to 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 build this awareness that EX is not everybody's job. We need EX competent people. So, so that is one one of the key weaknesses that is uh, common, I would say common and uh, widespread. And I have seen that this is not just um, common here in Pakistan, but even in, in some of the very major companies, this, this has been recognized as one of the key weaknesses. And the uh, other thing is, um, again, um, I, 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 I fear repeating it, that in terms of um, the uh, safety, process safety, we we uh, tend to ignore dust as a special uh, focus area rather than we just consider it, okay, fine. That's one of the hazards, but rather than saying that's the major hazard and we need specialists and we need uh, competency build up for uh, dust explosion hazard. So these two things are housekeeping versus and the EX, which are the key two things we, 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 we need experts. We need to build competency in Pakistan. Yeah, I think those are some really key points to, to hear about you know, new, new coal power plants being gr- grown at such a rate to, that not to leave us behind. The, the, the big sense I pulled out here and wrote down was recognizing that the combustible dust is not just one of the many hazards, but it's the major hazard, or at least someone who's specialized in understanding combustible hazards needs to be the one leading the assessment to, to identify those hazards. Or there's a big chance that it might just be swept under the rug <laughs> in terms, it's actually a good, a good pun for that type of combustible dust comparison. And we talked about this incident a couple of times. I'll, I'll mention it here. We have it listed as in Tar Sindhi, Pakistan, but Siam told me that that's a pretty, that's the entire region. Um, but we do, we'll have a link to this incident in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 188. This episode, um, this is an explosion at a, a Pakistan coal power plant. There's not a lot of information, at least in our public available reporting here, about what occurred, but there is a video. And in the video, um, we'll have links to the video as well in the show notes for this episode. You can see the explosion happen near the top of a multi-story building, the plant, probably somewhere where they're crushing or storing coal dust. And it is it pushes a very large amount of coal dust out of the windows. Uh, and then the explosion, the deflagration travels down the conveyor system back into another building on the ground, which gets leveled and then another building after that. So this is a you know a multi-story, three, four, five-story deflagration that then propagates un, undeterred through the conveyor system and then back into probably coal storage or some other site on the ground. It, it's a very educational video to demonstrate the type of hazards. There were five, at least five employees that were injured in the explosion. Uh, it, it's, it's quite large and it does demonstrate the, the hazards that are involved. So if you want to see that, you can go again, dustsafetyscience.com slash 188. If you just Google coal dust explosion in Pakistan, you'll probably find the video um, at some point. So that's a video we've been talking about. And that's really caused then some folks to to reach out because they're creating and running so many power plants now. People in that that area have been reaching out. Some have come through Dust Safety Professionals. We've been able to connect them with SIAM, with uh, other folks that work internationally like EXMB, who's also a Dust Safety Professionals member company, Michael Merrington and uh, Arped uh, Bress will we'll both be able to to work there. So we're trying to connect them through with the folks that are knowledgeable to get that specialist in to help them with their training and help them with their site assessment. 
and reduce the chance of having one of these large scale incidents. And I, I would put Siam in the same category as a very knowledgeable process safety engineer and, and also someone that come and help them with the understanding their hazards as well. So we identified a number of risks here, um, awareness, housekeeping, ex-equipment, expertise and competency and, and a large gap there. Any pass forward that you can see, Syme, for for improving some of these things? And this is a little bit of a selfish question because we're trying to trying to encourage and promote these paths forward. So then I get to talk with experts like yourself and say, well, how do you think we should do it? Um, it's a pretty big question, but anything that comes to mind that you think we we can do as a, a global community on this topic to improve safety? Yeah, so, so these days it's, it's not very um, difficult, especially uh, those who are active in LinkedIn, they, they know that knowledge sharing is um, very easy these days. And just like me and you are talking based on our LinkedIn interaction, and uh, you, you, you mentioned uh, Mike Langton and our part, and we are connected through LinkedIn. So Mike came to Pakistan, he was here this week. Uh, so we are having interactions with uh, people like Mike, who are, who are expert in uh, EX. We've been to the, uh, we've been having discussion with Mike with these cold power uh, plants, uh, so providing uh, them an awareness, understanding about this subject. Uh, first thing is to to recognize that okay, this is not a conventional thing, but this is a science. So okay, so EX science, uh, Mike is doing a lot of um, interactions here. Is uh, making people uh, understand that it's not just uh, any uh, typical uh, OEM thing. It, it requires a lot of uh, expertise. So companies are starting. He's carrying. He has carried out a number of trainings after um, in last one year, and he is getting is getting a lot of interest from the coal power plants on building competencies. So yes, uh, these interactions are are actually very very helpful. And I believe that um, uh, these platforms, especially LinkedIn, it, it provides a lot of knowledge to people. It gives a lot of uh, understanding uh, to people when they interact with each other, that where are the gaps and which gap they need to fill in. This is my, my, my opinion that it's only about interactions. It's only um, understanding where are the best people, where are we? So there may, be, may not be any best company. You, you know, the, I've worked with BP and BP had some of the very good practices. BP have been into coal as well. They have very, very good practices, engineering practices. Yet they had two major accidents. Accidents that changed not only the, uh, the, the course of uh, business in BP, but uh, around the globe. So, so they, 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 they face these accidents. The accidents are, are happening. And those who have followed um, Professor Trevor Kletz, they know that he, he said, okay, his first book was uh, What Went Wrong. And probably he thought that, okay, with this um, book, what, what went wrong, we, we understand quite a lot about our safety. And so, so we'll, uh, we'll not be having uh, uh, any more accidents. But then he wrote another book, Still Going Wrong, and, and he was still wondering. We know everything, yet there, there are uh, accidents happening. And in in and that's that's his focus was all about oil and gas and chemical safety. He did work on uh, incidents like on the Challenger, and but then the, the dust is is a group of hazards which is um, divorced from the oil and gas. So the uh, the uh, the oil and gas, which is considered a lot more advanced in process safety, is still having crisis. We still every other day see these uh, major. We have seen Shanghai last week, chemical plant fire. So dust is not as uh, popular uh, as the oil and gas process safety, 
So we need to be to be more patched um, up with with the rest of the world, and we need to be more um, discuss in, into such discussions, into seminars, into uh, interactions through LinkedIn, into interactions through per personal uh, conferences. So we need to to build the first. We need to build the awareness, and then get into the sciences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I really appreciate those points. I've got knowledge sharing, just re reaffirming that this is a specific hazard requires specific um, equipment, expertise, competency in order to address. And and then sort of, you made a really good point there at the end, in terms of process safety from an oil and gas or a chemical processing industry perspective, I don't know, there might be 20, 30 conferences globally every year on on that topic where the the leading experts from a region might get together, uh, maybe five or eight that are, you know, global events. How many are, are there for combustible dust? Not many that are, that are solely combustible dust process safety. You know, there are a few events that will have it as a day or a section, but there, there really isn't. And we, we do have our event, the, the online conference, global combustible dust safety or global dust safety conference, which is trying to fill some of that gap, but uh, one's one's probably not enough. <laughs> so there's a there's a big key takeaway there. If we keep talking, we keep sharing information, we keep sharing knowledge. This podcast is meant to be playing part of that role. But coming here to the the tail end of COVID in some regions of the world, you know, we probably got to start getting back in the same room again and encouraging this discussion and facilitating it. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to hear that that Mike and the team at EXMB and and Arped and them are traveling and doing that educational component. Hopefully I can get Mike on the podcast to talk about that experience. Actually, I, I wrote a note down on that. I, I couldn't think of a better way to lead this off, Siam, to, to just put a call for action out there for us to talk more, share more knowledge, more knowledge and get that out there. Any last comments you want to leave the audience off with today before we, we close out the episode? Well, I, I, I would say that um, uh, this sort of interaction, we need to engage more people. Uh, webinars are, are cheap. You, you do not have any travel costs or any costs uh, incurred in the webinar one hour or sort of uh, engaging all the communities, process process safety, maintenance, uh, operations people. And uh, they, are, they, are, they are actually, um, uh, we, we started learning the value. I started myself learning the value of webinars during the COVID. Before that, uh, it was considered, oh, these are not effective. But COVID forced us to, to adopt to the webinars and uh, these online sessions. So they are very valuable. And I realized that, okay, no cost is involved. We just need to gather people, just engage uh, with the experts. Um, for example, you just as I, uh, Mike, he's very gracious in giving uh, time. And you can engage people like Mike or experts in their safety. The, the issue that um, that I, I I feel is uh, uh, the 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 reason that the globally, especially Europe and maybe Americas, they they started abandoning coal power plant. And just like you said last week, there was news from Germany that they are being forced to to consider coal again. So when you abandon a whole uh, field, um, which is uh, coal power plants. Uh, so that means you you lose the experts. So most of the expertise on on sciences comes from either Europe or Americas. So when when they lost the interest in coal, maybe they they they, they lost interest in developing these um, uh, dust explosion, uh, especially the coal dust explosion. Maybe there are other um, uh, coal dust hazards around the globe. There are, but if you Google, uh, as you said, if you there are no um, conferences. But even if you Google um, uh, dust explosion versus a paper cloud explosion, 
you will find the ratio of material available one in 10 or maybe one in 20. So that's the problem that we do not have a lot of knowledge uh, being shared. It's not that knowledge is not available. Uh, if, you, if you dig deep, you will find everything uh, in place. People know it. They know exactly what are the sciences, what are the uh, parameters. But uh, the, the, the sharing is the issue. And, and, and my personal opinion is that the sharing uh, um, uh, frequency or the sharing potency dropped down because Europe lost its interest in coal. Uh, Americas are, uh, are not into coal development. So they lost the interest in dust exclusion as well. Yeah, I think that's a great way to you know leave off this episode is to to understand that as a challenge and that the more we are able to communicate, like you said, if you Google dust explosion versus vapor cloud or gas explosion, you're going to get 20, 20 to one or even more pieces of information. Not the information out there. We have we have combustible dust standards dating back to the nineteen twenties in the U.S. There is certainly investigation reports going back to the seventeen hundreds and eighteen hundreds looking at combustible incidents and they're, I can't think of a good word, but they're wildly similar to the same incident report you'll see in 2020. <laughs> the explosion happened. We asked the, the line manager, have you ever seen this happen before? They said, no. We asked the line manager again, have you ever seen this before? And they said, well, it happens sometimes. And you asked them again, they said, well, it's kind of common. We see it quite a bit. And then you ask, you know, the neighbors, have you ever experienced this? So yeah, we've, we've had a, you know, a fire here, or a deflagration there. And then that level of awareness starts at zero and sort of percolates up to yeah, these are actually much more common than we're giving them credit for. And then getting a technical, and the technical is going to be the same thing, housekeeping, explosion protection, ignition source control. <laughs> Most of the investigation reports for combustible dust over the last 200, 300 years had the same sort of elements that get drawn out of them. So the more we can communicate, the more we can make sure that that information doesn't get forgotten, the easier it's going to be than, than rewriting the book every time um, an incident happens. So Siam, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast today. I, I do really appreciate the work that you're doing over in Pakistan and in the Middle East and in other countries um, and, and across the world, really. Uh, even the technical safety side and bringing in the combustible dust exposure protection that is, is a really important part. But probably the bigger role that I see you're playing is bringing other experts in, identifying there is a lack of expertise and, and doing some of that educational and awareness work so that when we we go to implement technical solutions are more easily more likely to to get implemented at a site more likely for a site want to do it um, so keep up the good work over there and i appreciate your time on the podcast today thank you very much uh, grateful for giving me the opportunity thank you siam i look forward to chance to talk again soon thank you so you can listen to myself dr chris cloney and muhammad siam from shepherd risk based out of karachi pakistan when we're talking about the current status of dust explosion safety and, and with a big focus on coal dust and in particular coal dust power plants in Pakistan going over the last couple of years, basically last you know 20 years or so, and it being a big challenge today. So we talked through some of Siam's background, um, chemical engineering, moving to process engineering, and then process safety as incidents that happened at the companies and in related companies that uh, were in the same industry that he was working with. Early exposure to combustible dust challenges and assessments through smaller sites being mentored by, you know, someone who's extremely knowledgeable in this area and, and getting some of the expertise moving back to Pakistan prior to that mentoring and, and starting up shop at Shepherd Risk about 10 years ago, I think eight or nine years ago, and getting really involved with process safety, hazard analysis, using all the tools that are available, but also involved in combustible dust sites. So we talked through a lot of that background. We talked about the regulation status in Pakistan, that there's not really any technical regulations that are or legal regulations that are going to fit in to cover combustible dust. But there are sort of these best practices and it's up to the companies themselves to adopt these best practices from 
the American codes and standards from Europe, from Asia, wherever, wherever the kind of companies operating out of or where their owners operate out of, you may see a, a mix of those. We talked about this driver of the building of coal dust power plants, um, coal power plants rather, that generate combustible dust. And we're seeing, you know, over a two-year period, 25 times uh, order magnitude increase in the amount of power that's generated through coal. And this, this very large expansion comes with its own set of challenges in terms of awareness of the hazard, lack of expertise in the company, or even lack of expertise to bring um, for outside support, uh, equipment, the right equipment being used in the right place, the right maintenance procedures, make sure it's not you no know, going out of service and that's still working properly. And housekeeping being a big challenge with ties very closely to the awareness of the combustible dust hazard, the ability of expertise to go in and do a good assessment and make good recommendations on housekeeping plans. So it's all really tied together. And, and the, the kind of key takeaways that Siam mentioned in terms of what we can do include more knowledge sharing. The podcast is a great example of this. Um, events, webinars, getting the expertise out there to those that, that need it the most and including both process safety, maintenance, operations, everyone in that um, knowledge sharing. Big key here is identifying that combustible dust is a unique and major hazard on its own. It's not just some other, you know, one of the, it is one of the hazards that a site may see, but in general at some conditions and, and a coal power plant that's crushing coal on site and, and using it is going to be one of the examples where it's the major hazard. It also takes a very specific skill set, specific set of expertise, um, specific history and background to recognize, identify, assess, and address the hazards that might be involved. Without that expertise, you're very um, much more likely to ignore the problem, to provide an inappropriate solution, or to you know have a solution that just doesn't protect or prevent the the incidents that are going to occur. You're going to see more explosions happen. Uh, we talked about some incidents that had happened, including this one that has a, a video showing the explosion. And we'll have links to that again in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 188 for this episode. And I just want to close out again by thanking Siam and thank others in the region that are doing work to educate and increase awareness of combustible dust safety because it's important and it's going to be saving lives over there. So as always, I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast this week. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead and I appreciate everything you're doing with injuries handling combustible dust making them safer with the work that you do every day. 